The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Living Well with Ann Beal. Our show is a health show, a lifestyle show, and an empowerment show rolled into one. Get ready to hear some stories of success, healthy living tips, and suggestions to get motivated and live your best life. Now, here is your host, Ann Beal. Hi, this is Ann Beal. Welcome to Living Well. We have a great treat today. We have Penny Rackley. She is a life coach. In fact, she is the best of Denton County 2013 and 2014 life coach, speaker, and writer. And I have Penny here to discuss what's next. Finding focus. Are you taking care of what matters most? The ability to focus and persist is key to excellence in relationships and at work, even in taking care of your health. So how do we decide where to use our time and effort and then stick with it? Penny is going to tell us the best way to do that, why we need to do that to focus. And she is going to take us through five steps of how to focus so that one day we don't wake up five years from now or 10 years from now and see that our life has just passed by. And so if you would like to know how to focus in to find what's next, welcome Penny. Hello, Thank Penny. Thank you so much. I'm so honored to be here. I always love seeing you, but this is extra special. Well, and I'm excited about having you here. We have worked together off and on, and when I was looking at having a life coach on, I wanted Penny. So I'm glad you're here. Thank you very much. Well, let's tell the listeners about you. Can you tell us, um, number one, how you became um, to the Dallas area? Because you actually live in Flower Mound right, right, right now, right? Yes, that's right. We came to the Dallas area because it's such a terrific place for jobs and also to raise children. Um, I've been married for 26 years to my sweet, um, patient and kind husband, and we have two sons. They are 19 and 15 and almost 15. And, uh, we came to build our life here. Well, and I like it here too. I think most of my listeners are hearing about all these little towns around the Fort Worth and Dallas area and yours is around the Fort Worth. Well, it's kind of the middle. It's in between. Yeah. Mm -hmm. North of Dallas and Fort Worth. Have you always lived here? No, we spent some time in Wimberley, Texas, one of the most beautiful places in Texas, near Austin. And um, although it was a perfect place to have our babies, really for um, a work situation, the Dallas area is the best, the most opportunities. So you were born in Texas? I was Texas. born in Texas. I'm a fourth-generation Texan. <laughs> I wasn't born in Texas. So I'm always amazed when I meet someone who's born in Texas because so many people here weren't. They didn't, they didn't um, come from here. And so I'm always fascinated to see it. Just people, why? Why did they come here? Because <laughs> well, it's not like California or Florida, you know, or Hawaii. But we, we have Tex-Mex, and Yes, we have Tex-Mex. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're, so you were born in Texas. Yeah. And then did you go to college? 
I went to Abilene Christian University. Abilene Christian, I know where that is, south of Fort Worth. It's not the most beautiful part of Texas, but... It's funny that you say that. I did not say that. (laughs) Okay, so what did you major in? English. Oh, you know what? So many people that I have on, they didn't major in what they're in. Most people I have on did not major in what they're in. But English for you, in light of being a life coach, and you write and you speak. Yes. English is perfect. That is why your newsletters are so good. Oh, I love writing my newsletters. That was the easiest part, other than one-on-one coaching and the connection with my clients. Writing the newsletters has always been just the most fun. I love to do it. Now, you have... Two sons. Correct. How old are they? They're 19 and almost 15. Is that how old they are, really? I don't know. What I feel happened. like I've gotten old. Um, <laughs> and you used to do something else. Correct. Um, really straight out of college, for 20 years, I was a technical writer. And it was the perfect job for that part of my life, that section of my life. I learned how to work in corporate America, and then I was a stay-at-home mom and freelance technical writer when my children were very young. And it allowed me to continue my career and make a good living and, most importantly to me, be there when they got home from school and be a a mother to them. And uh, for that, like I said, for that part of my life, that job was ideal. Well, it is so wonderful to be able to do that. I was able to do that, too. To be able to be home, I did contract work, and I did writing for magazines and books and things like that. And so it provided me that extra ability to be home, but yet feel like I was helping to provide and uh, feel like I didn't get behind. I know getting out of engineering, it was very hard to get back in. You know, things speed up and pass. Um, And so I enjoyed so much being able to be home, but I also had something else besides just that. And I know that helped a lot. I have a lot of stay-at-home moms that come in that are getting depressed. um, And they get really lonely. And the only person they really um, have to talk to about life is when their husband gets home. (laughs) The poor guy. (laughs) (laughs) And he often doesn't do that very well because he is exhausted. So they end up coming in. So I was thinking during that time, every time I would see a woman like that, I, I thought, you know, I didn't get like that too much because I had my own priorities, my own things that were my outlet. Yeah, it was my identity. You know, Mm -hmm. my identity as a mom, my identity as a wife, but I also had my identity as um, a writer or an engineer. And you did too. I did. I did. And I enjoyed it very much. Every once in a while, I would go on business trips and um, was always happy to come back home to my little spot with my people and, uh, and have, but also have the opportunity to go out and see the world, the larger world. Now, when I met you, you were transitioning. That's right. And it's interesting that you chose for coaching to specialize in transitioning in a way. I do. Yes. So tell us about that. About my evolution to a coach? Yes. And why transitioning? Why what's next? Well, so many of my clients throughout these last few years, when I comb through what they come to me for, what they, what they are needing most, it's the ability to choose what they want for their lives. All of us are so inundated with 
responsibilities and obligations and little fires that, like you said in the introduction, oftentimes we look up after a few years and say, what did I do with my time? What have I become? Mostly I've fulfilled obligations, but what have I built for myself? Um, and so that's has always been, sorry, that's <laughs> always been my focus uh, because I know how that feels. I know what it feels like to not know where you're going next. Yes. And get stuck there. Absolutely. Because people do, they'll think about it and think about it and then go play tennis or turn on the TV. And then it, when it comes to them again to think about it, then they'll worry about it. And play Candy about, Crush. Yeah, play Candy Crush Saga. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I have people that do that. Um, or it used to be Farmville. They would get addicted right. to Farmville. Mm-hmm. And it's just to distract them because they don't quite know what to do. They can't put the pieces together. Absolutely. And you help them do that. I do. And I did it for myself, and I saw the the value to me. And I know, I know there are so many people out there because I see them often who are searching and frustrated and feel at loose ends. And I help them bring it together. Do they know that when they come to you? Sometimes not. Sometimes they have one, they're going to a family reunion and they're worried about seeing their dad again after a falling out. And we get together and address that one issue or that one event And then in our talking, I, you know, is very much like your sessions, I'm sure. I begin to see what their values are, what they care about the most, and ask them, what are you doing about that today? What are you doing about that this month or this week? Or what are your plans to see those dreams to fruition? And when they don't have an answer, usually I have a new client. Exactly. To help them bring their dreams to fruition. Correct. And who wouldn't want to do that? Who wouldn't want to do that? You did that for yourself. I did. I did. So tell us how that happened for you that made you passionate to help other people do this. Well, as I said, I was a technical writer for most of the beginning of my career. And um, during that time, in the, actually seven years ago, my oldest son developed some significant health issues that over time I realized I needed to just to put my focus on him and his recovery. And so reluctantly, I released my, my freelance writing clients and spent most of my time with him, either um, taking care of him at home or in the hospital or going to different procedures and coordinating his care. It was, it was um, a considerable effort. And after a few years, he began to improve. And now, he had Crohn's, right? Or he, he had ulcerative colitis. Ulcerative colitis. That's right. Okay. It was unusual at that young age, but it was extremely severe. And um, it just took quite a bit of time to understand what was going on with him and to get it under control. So how old was he? He was 12. When they diagnosed him with that? Yes. You know, more and more children are getting things like that. That's why I wanted you to let them know what it was. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's when you changed your focus. I did. I changed it first to focus on him because it was the most important thing I could do with my time and my energy in that moment. But then as he began to improve, 
he was also becoming a young man. He was becoming a teenager. And he really needed me to get out of his face at that point. <laughs> he didn't say it that way. But it, I, one of my life goals that I'll talk about later is that I want to raise independent, self-motivated adults. I want my children to become that. And so I knew he's, he is a highly intelligent person and knows his own mind. And he needed me and I needed me to back away. And so, uh, I remember so well, it was a holiday time and I was with my extended family talking to my brother-in-law and I said, I, it's time for me to go back to work, but I'm, I'm just not feeling it about writing hmm, brochures about wireless access points anymore. I need something more and I need to be more connected to people because that's my, that's my strength and that's my gift. And he said, you need to be a life coach. I just read about this job, this career, and this is what you are to us and to other people and what you should be for in the future. And so I began to research it and I believe it or not, my brother-in-law of all people was right. <laughs> and uh, that's when I found my training and I met you and Really, from the first week of training, I realized this was what I was meant to do. I absolutely adored it. And even though I wasn't um, perfect in all of our practices, I remember <laughs> I remember one in particular that I think the whole class laughed because I was new and I didn't realize not to give advice and be bossy. Which is really the difference, isn't it's it? Between difference. counseling and coaching. Cause I don't think most people have a clue. They're like, it's a life coach. What in the world, you know, but the main thing is you don't give advice. Exactly. Are there any other differences to you? The way I usually explain it to potential clients is counseling oftentimes looks at your past and what made you who you are and delves into your childhood and the way you were parented. And when I coach, I focus on where my clients are right now in their lives and getting a good understanding, a good overview of that place. And then I talk to them about where they want to go in the future. And then we strategize steps to get them to that place. And it might be something as simple as, as what I explained about the family reunion, a finite event where you want to um, understand your strategy for dealing with a specific person. Um, I also coach people about uh, how to recover from a divorce, how to direct and navigate their lives and organize their lives to become what they want it to be after a traumatic event, a layoff, um, the death of a spouse, or even... I have several clients who want to know how to navigate their lives after college. They've had uh, sort of an artificial organization set up for them, life organization. And after they get out, it's time to start over. And they need to decide, who do I want to be? Where do I want to live? How much money will I make and how will I spend it? And I can help them strategize that, think it through, and I'm not their parent. We don't share a pantry. We don't share... Um, 
an apartment, we don't share relatives, and so I'm able to give them a neutral, non-judgmental, third-party overview and help them help them create the life they want. Which with counseling, it's not as fast. You know, coaching is faster. Absolutely. And it's much more specific. Um, And if you, one of the reasons when, you know, for me being um, in gymnastics and being a coach as an assistant coach in gymnastics, there's a lot of similarities to me when I'm trying to teach someone how to strengthen the muscles they need to do different moves, depending on what they, what kind of gymnast they wanted to be. And there are those that are big on strength and there are those that are big on flexibility. Um, And with the floor work, you see the strength or you see dance so some people call it that now. And so targeting how to help them get there, depending on what they want. Um, and so also what, how far they're hoping to go, right? And so not every athlete expects to be a professional athlete or even wants to be because there's a lot of kids out there that don't like competition. Sure. And so, but they love what they do. And so it, it helps. And it's very similar in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um and so there is a big difference to me between counseling and coaching. Yes. And when you were training, you didn't have a lot of confidence. I remember you said you felt comfortable, especially in the marketing side, about writing, but nothing else, not the speaking. Because, <laughs> um, you know, I was talking about, hey, I'll have to have you on, so whatever. And you were like, I'm not real comfortable with I can write, I can write. And that has changed tremendously. It has. Because you couldn't have been best uh, best coach in Denton 2013 and 2014 or Denton County. Let me just change. That's a lot, lot farther. Um, if you didn't speak. That is exactly right. I, I'm very fortunate that I have a lot of people who support me um, in my public speaking, particularly Inspire Yoga Studio in, in Highland Village, Texas. They allow me to speak there once a month. And... When we were in training together and the marketing dude came in to tell us how to promote our new businesses, he said, you can do websites, you can do newsletters, you can do um, all sorts of different gyrations to promote yourself. But the most important thing you can do is public speaking because it allows your potential clients to see who you are and what you're about and whether or not they think they can connect with you. And I thought, that is so wise. That's such a great strategy. And then I thought, I will never in a million years, (laughs) one time, get up in front of people and speak. I'd spent all of my elementary school through college and, and technical writing career trying to stay out of the standing up in front of people's spotlight. So your school did not. One of my daughters went to Westlake Academy, and they had them stand up in class a lot. I was sick that day on purpose. <laughs> she she hated doing speeches or doing public speaking, and they had them do it over and over. And so I thought, and though how, how much she hated it, I did think what a wonderful thing they were having them do because it is the biggest fear of most people, the number Absolutely. one fear. And so she was, she would fall apart. She anyway. And so you didn't have that experience in school. You got around that. I did anything and everything to get around it. But now that you know what it's like and you see that it was more of a misconception or a false belief, maybe. It was a completely false belief. I believed that the audience would be there. And it doesn't make sense now looking back. But then I believed they were going to be critiquing me, looking at the clothes I was wearing and my crooked teeth 
and my hairdo and and then picking apart what I had to say and and critiquing it as an editor. And what I learned after I finally made myself give it a try is that people don't show up to events like that for me. They show up for themselves and to understand where they need to go. And um, I am very capable of helping people realize that. And so the first time you spoke, you were talking to me about the, you know, the critiquing. You asked for critiquing. I did. I asked the woman who invited me to speak after it was over, what should I do differently next? Hoping that she wasn't going to say, never come back. <laughs> but she, uh, she was so helpful because she said everything you had to say was well organized. It was helpful. And all you need to do next time is look people directly in the eye because I was scared. <laughs> and when uh, the air conditioner comes on, make sure it, it makes sure and raise your voice. Other than that, it was great. And also, most importantly to me afterwards, a few people came up to me and said, this is what you said that mattered. This is how you have helped my life. And after that, the fear just kind of melted away. And yes, of course, I do get nervous before I speak, but it's the good kind of nervous that helps me be my best. Because you saw that people benefited from what you had to say. Yes. And um, you were good enough to have people benefit from that. And that's all that mattered. Exactly. Yes. And and I'm sure you're phenomenal now. Well, I don't know. Um, but you, I hope so. Because you do I it a lot. It. In <laughs> fact, each time I speak after it's over, I make myself go through and remember people's faces and their reactions and see, uh, I think through them writing their notes and the comments they make afterwards so that I remember the next time to be emboldened and to, to be, be confident. And it does help, especially the writer's mind. One of the reasons you're such a good writer is because you can critique so well. You see flaws, and so you can fix them and fix them and fix them. And that's why so often writers don't like speaking because they can, they, they'll critique themselves to death. Yes, right. edit, and edit. Think edit, of all edit. the bad things and um, beat themselves up. They're very gifted people. And so you have overcome that, and now you helped people transition. So what would you like to tell people today about transitioning? The most important, I've thought about this since we, when, since, since we first discussed this interview. And you said, if you had one thing to tell my audience, what would it be? If you had one piece of wisdom to impart. And as we discussed in the beginning, I know in my life, and I've already told you about um, my husband and my children and other work I've done, life, when we, from beginning to end, is full of other people's responsibilities to other people, distractions and obligations. We put out fires constantly. And if we don't take time to go within ourselves, either alone or with a coach, with someone we can trust to stay out of advising and just help us organize our thoughts and understand them. Um, if If we don't do that, we wake up at the end of this summer or at graduation or when our children go off to kindergarten 
or when they go off to college or when we retire and say, I have spent so much time and energy and effort and worn myself out, but what did I get out of it? Keep in mind, I understand we do need to take care of other people and we do need to meet our obligations, but we also need to examine ourselves for what we want out of this life because it will end. I personally think we only get one shot at it. And uh, if we don't curate our life to make it what we want it to be, it will be over. Right. And regrets to look back. And as you age, you know, there are, you can have more and more regrets. And a lot of that, it can be from what you did do. But what I find more often, there are some of those, right? More often, it's what they didn't do. What we were afraid to do, what we yes. were shy to do. Mm-hmm. And I've had people, really gifted people, come up with incredible ideas. I mean, they get these ideas that are phenomenal. And if there's one thing that I have learned, when someone gets an idea, if they don't do anything with it, God gives it to someone else. Now, so let right. me tell you, I've come to see that because, I mean, I, I came up with the idea of, you know, Christian aerobics. And to Christian music or to not, you know, when I was younger and because I thought, well, they have that. Well, they have that. And then that came out and people did that. Now it's faded away. I've come up with many things and I don't want to say them because not all of them have come out. Right. Um, And other people come up with the idea later. And, you, you know, with the Nobel Prize, when they have they'll have two people, they'll often give it to two people, the Nobel Prize. And it's two people on different sides of the world. Who had the same idea. That had the same idea <laughs> and and yeah. did the same thing at the same time and found the answer or whatever it is. And it's like, how did that happen, right? And so that's why I tell people when you have an idea of what you want to do or where you might want to live or where you might want to go, you want to pursue that. But I think today especially there are so many distractions. And kids are so distracted, too, between TV and radio and Internet and everything on the Internet. And our phones now are crazy. It's constantly people are always on their phone. Mm -hmm. And so they're always plugged in. They don't. So the days roll by and they don't pursue their dreams. And you help them or a coach can help them focus in on what it is they really want. Absolutely. And so in the next segment, Penny is going to help us do that. You're actually going to take us through the five steps to focus? Yes. Okay. We will do that right after the break. Great. Come back. Most married men experience frustration because there are things they want from their wives but don't know how to get them. Nothing seems to work. Desires are unfulfilled, fantasies unrealized, and relationships become stagnant. Men are desperate today for a richer, deeper, more satisfying, and intimate marriage. Dr. Jim Slaughter teaches men how to have the passionate, fulfilling marriage they've always wanted. Call 817-991-4964 or email jslaughterphd at yahoo.com to begin transforming your marriage into what you want it to be. Tune in to Lou Augusta's A Rumor of Empathy. Our show is committed to providing a generous listening, empathy, through conversations with our guests and you. Every issue deserves to be heard and thought out empathically. 
When it is properly sorted out, it becomes a solution rather than a problem. In Lou's program, his goal is to help you through conversations, which in turn can help your relationships and other aspects of your life. A Rumor of Empathy can be heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Where can you find a forum to help you make the best decisions in your everyday life? Listen for An Hour of Empowerment with Charles Haywood Ellis III. Each week, the program will cover a wide variety of topics you've asked about, from self-improvement to finances and matters as varied as education and urban violence. An Hour of Empowerment can be heard live every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Be sure to stop by every week. How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work-life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. If you're looking for tips for personal success, look no further than DJ and the Bear, keeping you at the top of your game with your hosts, leadership and personal effectiveness consultant, Dietta Jones, and Richard Dent, formerly of the champion Chicago Bears. Together, as a husband and wife team, they've raised a family, owned two successful businesses, led major philanthropic initiatives through their foundation, and lived the ultimate lifestyle. Find out their secrets. Listen every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Living Well with Ann Beal. We'd love to hear from you with comments and questions about the show. Please send us an email to ablivingwell at gmail.com. That's ablivingwell at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. This is Ann Beal with Penny Rackley here. We are talking about what's next, finding focus. Penny is going to help us in this segment to actually help us find focus on something that is very important for us to organize our lives of something that we want to achieve or do. Anything else, or Penny? Be or, or be or have. Or have. That's awesome. And she is going to take us through the five steps of how she leads people to do that, to really focus in from all the distractions from your life so that you can achieve the goals that you really want to achieve in your life. And so, Penny. Hit it. Hit it. <laughs> The first step, I imagine your listeners have already figured out, is to sit down. I don't like to stand. I want to sit down and think alone or with a coach or another um, non-judgmental person, not, meaning they don't have skin in the game. They don't have, uh, they're not affected by your decisions. I and think those that's people extremely are, important. Those people are hard to find. They are hard to find. And that's why often nowadays people hire somebody. Yes. So you need to sit and clear away the cobwebs. Sit in a quiet room, in your car, in your closet, wherever it is that you can be alone with your thoughts or within a coach's office. And uh, write out for yourself what it is you genuinely want. And if you don't know what it is you want, spend some time talking to your coach about 
the times in your life when you've been the most deeply gratified by your work and what it was then that lifted you up. Now, you can do this with a spouse, maybe just to evaluate your past when you were most successful, right? Or yes, the most, sure. the most um, gratified. Yes. Um, if they don't have a coach. Right. And so just to think it through, but they have to be quiet because <laughs> I think most people nowadays to have quiet time is very unnatural. Yes. No distractions. No distractions. And, and you know, people who read, they love getting time away to read, but they're often addicted to reading. Yes. Okay. And so what we, what we really need to do is to really get quiet time alone with a pen and a piece of paper or your laptop, but okay. no games on your laptop. You know, I'm talking to myself here. Oh, is that why? Yes. Yeah. Of course we don't do that. But right. yes, to truly focus in. And I think that's part of loving yourself, um, part of respecting yourself and accepting yourself is to listen to yourself. Because I have people that come in and they're so frustrated with other people not listening to them. Nobody listens to me. Nobody. And I say to them, do you listen to yourself? And they look at me like I'm crazy. I don't have time for that. They're, well, they just don't even get it. Right. They're like, what? <laughs> of course I listen to myself. I have ears, so I hear myself. But what I mean is, do they really listen? And you have to be quiet to really have time to listen. And that is like in the car, you'll start hearing those things in your head. Do you listen to them? Do you respect them? And do you act on them? And that's part of what you're wanting them to hear. That's right. We have to be willing to tell ourselves the truth also. Everyone, everyone has voices in their head, either voices from the past or voices in their, in their present life, telling them what they should do, what they could have done, what they might have done. And this first step is about telling yourself, your truth right now of what you need in your life, whether it's to get out of debt or to get your master's or to commit to vibrant health, finally, or to just have a peaceful family. Deciding what that important point or those important points are is the most important. Actually, they're all important steps, but it's the first step. The first step. The second step is to tell the truth, again, about what your distractions are. And everybody's distractions are different. It could be, for, for a lot of mothers, especially young mothers, their children's welfare and their husband's welfare and their extended family's welfare, they're all incredibly important, um, but they can become a distraction from what what the woman's life goal is. Their home's welfare. Their home's welfare. (laughs) Cleaning, organizing. Exactly, yes. It can be a distraction uh, from knowing what your life's mission is, what your life's purpose is. And, And I don't want to mislead anyone. Obviously, those are incredible, incredibly important people to focus on, but there needs to be some time for you. Well, and, you know, we have a distractions list test, whatever you want to call that, that we fill out that we got from the coaching. And um, it's excellent. And there's so many areas that I didn't think about that could be distractions, whether it be work or housework. Mm -hmm. Um, 
eating, food, um, chores. What else? Uh, entertainment. Entertainment. Oh, and um, talk radio. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> we like that. I talk radio nonstop. TV, just being on or TV Absolutely. watching. Yes. Um, and so when you think about it, it could be even sexual kinds of things, um, sports. I'm not saying that there's people out there that watch sports or do sports or maybe go golf all the time. I'm not saying that. But those are all distractions if they're being used to avoid something. That's right. And we we can all we can enter into, you know, time with these distractions with the best of intentions. But my point in in number in section number two is to write them out and define them and know them. So that when they come up, you can examine the distraction and say, um, today it's all right for me to do this. But if I keep doing it uh, every uh, every Friday to the exclusion of what I know I want in my life, then it it needs to be gotten rid of, yeah. needs to be tamed. You know, Facebook, I have a lot of people that yeah. Facebook is in the way. Um, I mean, they're, and they don't even know why they're, it takes so long. They'll just go through everything and, and anything that you find you have trouble stopping when you know you need to definitely is a distraction. And so for me, it was solitaire and I don't even know why just when it first came out on the computer, um, I'd play with my dad when I was younger, you know, he'd teach me how, because of course I hear people out there going, you don't play solitaire with anyone, (laughs) but he would, you know, we'd do a lot, he'd do his. It is and I do mine, and I I don't know what it is about solitaire, and and I can just start, and I time will just fly. And of course, a lot of people are like, yeah, that's really ten, nine, eight, seven. You're just putting things right. in order, right? But it is definitely anything like that that you have trouble stopping. I think um, news on the internet. Ugh. I see a lot of, especially men. Um, they get it's a it's a good thing to keep up. It's a good thing to know what's going on in the world, and then an hour later, they find themselves in the middle of the same news they've already read. Mm-hmm. And uh, it can be an obstacle, absolutely, to getting things done. The next step, number three, is to, and I just love this one, I, I use it again and again in my coaching, is to choose a mentor or an example or a template, a person who has succeeded in accomplishing what you want. Um, one of my immediate goals is I was telling uh, Jim earlier, I am helping my son, my younger son, uh, achieve his Eagle Scout badge. That's my goal to get him farther down the road toward that uh, this summer. And my mentor, uh, she doesn't even know about it. I guess my template is a better, uh, better word for that. Her name is Michelle, and she's one of my neighbors, and she is so incredibly, she maintains focus on helping her child achieve this goal. Keep in mind, obviously, the Boy Scouts, um, the boys are doing the work, and the boys have to be committed, and we all understand that. All of us Scout moms and scouts, Scout dads do, but they also need some guidance and support. Eagle Scouts, that's very hard to get. It is not easy to become an Eagle Scout. And you don't meet very many. My husband is an Eagle Scout. And I can't believe the stuff he did. I know. know. Of course, then they took him out in the middle of nowhere and dropped him off. Did they do that still? They do not. (laughs) I didn't think so. (laughs) (laughs) They don't. But it does require a lot of organization and work and uh, planning. 
to make sure they achieve all they need to by the time they age out. And so um, I have a lot of other things in my life. I have got clients and I have writing and I have our home and all other sorts of, of worthy things to focus on. But if I'm going to help him achieve this, which I've stated, this is one of my big goals for him and for myself, uh, then I have to spend time um, in it and set other things aside. And Michelle, like I was saying earlier, is she, she has a way. I've seen her do it. She's an incredibly busy person and an incredibly productive person. Now, that's when, different, isn't it? Being busy and being productive. She's, she's productive. Right. She's both. Uh, and, but when she comes into Scouts, she sets her job aside. She sets her house aside in her mind. She sets everything aside. And she focuses on connecting with those kids and helping them achieve their goals. And she's happy about it. She's not surly. She's, um, she's in it. And they can feel that. And I want that for myself. I want that kind of relationship with my son and the other scouts. And I, I, um, I just admire and respect her. And so when I enter into those meetings on Monday nights, I think oftentimes, how would Michelle do this? Well, and that's, that's a really good thing because you choosing someone, and I, as I listened to you, I, I did that. I didn't purposely, I don't think consciously, realized what I was doing. And that would be Dr. Frank Minnerth doing the TV and the radio for health and wellness. But um, I also ad- admired other people. And most of them I got to, to ask, you know, to help me, like, what if, what I want to do and where I want to go with this and give me guidance. I tried to get to Glenn Beck. I couldn't get to Glenn Beck. And that was because he, he was early on rising fast. But I wanted to know, you know, how he plan that out and things to help me know. Um, and so I started talking to other hosts, other, you know, health and wellness show people, and then even where people went with that to just kind of get an idea of where can you go with it and what can you do with it and what kind of money, you know, is it, is it worth the return on my money that mm-hmm. I would think? And so for people out there, getting a, a mentor is a great thing or even picking someone you admire. And learning, even if they're, you know, you can't get to them, learning about their life and how yes. they succeeded, which is what I try to do on Living Well. People who live well and they're great examples, I get to them and ask them if they could share something with my listeners to let them know what's the one thing to really help them that they feel that they have learned. And that's because I had people do that for me. Mm-hmm. So that's a great thing. Okay. Another key to that step is to stay out of jealousy. Oftentimes we see people who have accomplished something that we want and instead of connecting with them, we can fall into a trap of envy. And uh, I don't have that with Michelle. She doesn't even know I feel this way about her and I'm excited for her to hear. But uh, it's important to be open to suggestions if they're willing, if your, your template or your example is willing to share with you. Okay. Um, fourth is to define what your specific steps are, your next steps to getting to this goal. Um, with my Eagle Scout goal, you know, that 
is a huge accomplishment, as, as we've talked about, but it consists of taking a lot of tiny steps, a lot of tiny steps. So if this summer I want to help Garrett move farther toward the big goal, I've got, he and I need to sit down and examine what is the next badge you need to earn? You've got to get a lot of badges to so you find out all you, all you need to find out about what you need to do. Absolutely. And it needs to be action-oriented. It needs to be something you can get done physically. Um, I know you do help people with that in some ways, to, to know, because you're very knowledgeable. Um, I know you were seeing someone, I think they wanted to go back to school or yeah. they wanted to move out or whatever it was. And you knew kind of what, like they needed a job or they needed a better paying job, things like that. So you kind of help them if they don't know some of the things that are needed. Yes. In fact, this summer I coached a girl. I dearly love her. And uh, she is smart and capable and motivated, but she was having a really difficult time finishing college. Just the details of finishing a few last classes. And I coached her every week of the semester. We skipped a few, but most weeks... I would meet with her for an hour and we would go through everything she had to do that week and when she was going to do it. And we talked about her distractions and places she should avoid for these last few weeks of school. (laughs) And it sounds, it's like so many No, it's very important. It sounds (laughs) easy, but that doesn't mean it's simple. Well, and it's better to have you do that than a parent, you know, because they're in college, right? And it is hard to... um, Get them to do what you want them to do, mm-hmm. your children, when they're in college. Some do, but a lot, they just, they, they get, start getting burned out. And they start, you know, so I'm just saying, Penny can help your child get done. <laughs> um, and, but to have you to, treating them like an adult and you have no skin in the game again, you have no, you know, you're not, you're just helping. You're not invested as far as what she chooses. And it takes so much of the pressure off to help them because they do want to get done or at least they want to get a job and start she making money. She wanted her own life yeah. that she had built. And that's right. what I reminded her again and again when there would be a party that she wanted to go to or an event uh, out of town before a test. Um, we would talk about you are building, you're choosing and building the life you want in the future. Right. And that's good. So that's one of the things to find out what it is you need to do. What you need to do next, get that camping badge. And to get the camping badge, you have to go on a camp out and be the only guy that cooks and plans the food. And, hey, Mom, let's go to the grocery store and figure this out together. I got it. That's the next action in my progression. The last step, number five, is specifically when will you do it? Which is the most important the one, most maybe. The most important thing because <laughs> if we don't do it, all of this is just flapping our gums. It's all just talk. And a lot of people don't do take that. action. They, I mean, they really they think it through. They analyze it. They analyze it. They analyze it. They get more and info. Talk. And people around them are like, "Oh my gosh, you haven't done it yet." Right. Or they don't believe. You know, they start losing that that people believed in them. Right. Which is so devastating, really. And I know one of the things you always tell me is you love deadlines. I well. I love to hate them. I love to hate them, but you need them. <laughs> I do need them. I write a newsletter once a month, and I write it and deliver it the week before I speak. 
so that my readership knows where I'm going to be speaking. And Which that, is very important so that you're not speaking with no one listening. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, and it works. It works. It's a little advertisement, and it also allows them through reading my articles to know who I am and what I'm about and whether or not they're interested in attending. You say a, a, a little thing, but let me just say it's the whole Metroplex, guys. <laughs> you send it out to the whole. You're like, it's a little article. Okay, go ahead. I do. Uh, yeah, that's right. You're good, Ann. <laughs> uh, but deadlines do help me. And I, I try to uh, steer my clients towards setting their own deadlines. As the coach, I cannot give them a deadline. They have to choose it for themselves. And it works better that way because they're much more invested in that deadline. If you give them the deadline, you're just <laughs> you're just one of those bad people that they right. have to, like a professor or a parent or somebody. And I don't want that because I want them to come back. The next time they have a life obstacle that they need to get around, I want them to choose me. So they've chosen a date that they're going to start. Correct. Okay, is that what it is? A start date? A start date and a first step. And if they're feeling confident enough, they can choose a few more steps and a few more dates. And oftentimes with a college student, when we started down that path, I remember she bought herself this beautiful organizer and all these different colored pens because that's what she loved to do. She loved office supplies. And she got her calendar out. And once she got down that road, she was emboldened yes, and enlivened by looking at that calendar because she knew it was her, it was a symbol of her taking control of her future instead of um, another thing to nag her. Right. And you do nag yourself. When things hang over you, it is, I mean, you, you disappoint yourself. Yeah. And, that, and emotionally, you just want to get on the couch with a bag of chips and give up. Uh, I mean, uh, I don't know anybody. <laughs> who are you talking to? <laughs> yes. You're right. I do have other people that shop. Right. Some eat, emotionally eat, some shop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those are women. I don't know about men. I did. I coached a woman this summer to get her shopping under control. Right. Shopping sure feels good, doesn't it? And it, it can feel that. And it's a distraction. Let me just say. Okay. So that's what they've said. They've set their date and they've got their calendar and they've gotten, they've started. That's right. Okay. So, and then you help them through all this, the dates yes, to I achieve help each them one. To keep their promises to themselves. I think that so many people are capable of keeping promises to others, keeping the traffic laws, keeping the deadlines, getting the gold stars. But when it comes to keeping promises to yourself, I'm not going to gain that 10 pounds. I am going to walk three miles. I am going to meditate and pray regularly, whatever it is. I'm not going to eat any carbs. I'm not you're not, I did not make that promise. And you just in your face. You're like, what would you do that for? No, no, no. But I do think that's part of not respecting yourself as yes. much as you don't realize that's what it is, not loving yourself as much, not prioritizing yourself as much as you would someone else. Because a lot of people wouldn't let in, they don't like letting another person down. That's right. And yet they will let themselves down. And honestly, it's harder to live with letting yourself down than it is in letting someone else down. Well, if you have difficulty keeping promises to yourself, having a coach is helpful in that you feel responsible for um, telling them, I did or didn't keep this promise. I have plenty of clients who don't want to disappoint me. And so before we meet, 
uh, 30 minutes before we meet, they will get their plan together. Well, it's really for them. They yeah, know they that. do that. That's you see them out in the lobby doing that. And, and, but it's good. And that's part of the thing about taking a class or hiring a coach or us even taking a coaching training class or yes. something like that. We start meeting new deadlines. We start getting new dreams, right? Because we're taking the time to do the work and we're thinking things through and it helps us stay focused. And as we stay focused, results, we get results mm-hmm. and new opportunities come. And they, that's why this, they seem to come from nowhere, but it's yes. actually from cycling through the promises, making sure we t- take care of what we've said we would do. And then lo and behold, we get asked to be on a radio show. <gasps> Look at that. Yes. And, and distractions can be so harmful because of that, that you don't achieve what you want to achieve so that you can see your life blossom. And that's what you help people do. Now, how can our listeners get a hold of you? The most direct way to get a hold of me is to call my office at 214-793-1503. And I know you have a website, pennyrackley.com. That's right. And you have newsletters that you send out. I do have a newsletter. If you go to my website, you can sign up for my newsletter. It's free. It comes once a month. I don't give your email address out to anybody else. And um, it lets you know where I'm going to be speaking and also has a hopefully entertaining article and usually pictures of my children because they don't charge me as models. Right. They don't charge. I love that. (laughs) So where are you speaking next? I'm speaking at Inspire Yoga Studio in Highland Village on the third Thursday. It's always the third Thursday of the month at 12.15 and 7.15, and it's always free. The public is welcome to come, and I'm bringing up the date of the third Thursday in August right now. Well, and I know you also love yoga, which is one of the reasons you speak often at a yoga studio. I do. And so she is a yoga master. No, you wouldn't say you're a yoga master. No, I'm not, but I have a lot of friends who know a lot about yoga. Yes, well, I think you're, yeah, that's true. You love it, though. I do. The third Thursday of August is the 20th. The 20th of August. That's your next speaking. I thank you so much for being here and being on. We loved hearing about your coaching practice and what's next and how to find focus. Finding focus so that you know what to do next. I reworded that better. Okay, guys, (laughs) and if you would like to email me, ablivingwell at gmail.com, or if you'd like to coach or counsel with me, contact my office, 817-232-1363. Thank you so much for tuning in to Living Well. And next week, I will actually be at the Sage Summit Broadcasting, and we will play from there next time. Take care. Thank you again for joining us. Living Well with Ann Beal airs live every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We can't wait to see you again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.